This is Kona Bible Church. Thanks for listening. We pray that you will experience God's blessing as you consider Pastor Brian's latest message from his series, Wrestling with God, from the book of Genesis. All right, we are in Genesis here, and let's see. All right, I'll read. I'll read first. Genesis chapter 15. Remember, the series we're in is wrestling with God. And ultimately, we are wrestling with God because he is proclaiming his word to, to the world. And that word is not always just easily, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, sure, I trust that to be true. No, you have to wrestle through a, a bit of that proclamation to, to begin to embrace it. And, and the beautiful thing is, he, he, he encourages the wrestling match. In fact, he comes and initiates the wrestling match. And that's what we saw very, uh, very sincerely with uh, Jacob. And in fact, Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. So Israel's name inherently includes this idea that he wrestles with God or God contends with man. And he blesses that. So uh, oftentimes when we hear this proclamation of, of the word, sometimes I think we feel guilty if we're like, ah, oh, I actually have some issues with that, or I, da, 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 and I, I don't fully embrace it. No, that's all part of the wrestling match with him, and he blesses that journey. And, and that journey doesn't just happen in a day on a Sunday morning for one hour every week. It takes place over the course of a lifetime. Uh, Jacob was an old man by the time he wrestled with God. And so we invite you to, uh, as you're kind of hearing this Genesis be proclaimed, there are going to be moments where I anticipate that you go, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Yes, that's fine. Uh, we want to bless you as you begin the, your wrestling match as well. So uh, let's continue the wrestling match in Genesis chapter 15. It says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and the one who will reward you in great abundance. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless and my heir is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram added, Since you have not given me a descendant, then look, one born in my house will be my heir. But look, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. But instead, a son who comes from your own body will be your heir. Then the Lord took him outside and said, Gaze into the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to them, to him, So will your descendants be. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord considered his response of faith as proof of genuine loyalty. The Lord said to him, I am the Lord God who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, by what can I know that I am to possess it? The Lord said to him, Take for me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So Abram took all these for him, and then cut them in two, and placed each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. When the sun went down, Abram fell sound asleep, and great terror overwhelmed him. 
Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign country. They will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will execute judgment on that nation that they will serve. Afterward, they will come out with many possessions. But as for you, you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will return here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its limit. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot with a flaming torch passed between the animal parts. The day the Lord, that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, to your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Well, that is uh, the passage that we'll be looking at today. And last week, what we kind of went through is we looked at this whole idea of the Word of God, particularly the Old Testament scriptures, that they are not there by accident, that they are intended for multiple purposes. Uh, and so today, again, we get to look at this passage and see the multiple purposes for why they are there. I invited you to think last week about Jesus walking along the road to Emmaus with uh, the two disciples who had given up hope because they had just witnessed the Messiah being crucified. And we recognize that their expectations for uh, their future were different than what the Word of God should have uh, allowed them to begin thinking. And so then Jesus, the incarnate Word of God, having been raised from the dead, walking alongside them, uh, unaware to them, began to go through the Old Testament scriptures and highlight, here's what you should have expected. Uh, let me tell you about the Christ, the Messiah, uh, and how he was foretold about through Moses and all the prophets. And, and what he means when he says Moses is he means the Torah, because Moses was the first one to, to write down the Torah. Now, there may have been oral tradition along the way, because Moses lived 400, 500 years after Abram and some of these events. Uh, or uh, perhaps uh, the word of the Lord came to Moses and, and revealed some of this history to him. But regardless, uh, that's what is meant. So Jesus, we looked at last week and said, there's a, a very real possibility that he was walking alongside with those disciples and told the disciples and taught them about Melchizedek and why Melchizedek was important to who the Christ is and what they should have expected as a result of. Then the very next chapter is chapter 15. And I don't know that you can get more important scripture than in, in all of the Old Testament than chapter 15 in Genesis. Uh, it's Genesis chapter 15 that Paul wrote about when he kind of exegeted the book of Genesis. Exegete means that he went through Genesis and said, now I'm going to teach you about uh, what happened in Genesis particularly in chapter 15, in the book of Romans. I don't think you could understand the book of Romans unless you first understand Genesis. And so Paul is going back to Genesis and he's saying, oh, here's what's going on when we talk about salvation. That's kind of a big deal, salvation. And Paul, as he's preaching his gospel, you know, it's not by accident that Romans is the first of the Pauline books in Scripture. You know that, right? That's not an accident that it shows up there. 
It's not chronological. It's not the first book that he wrote, but it is the first book that we read when we come to his books in Scripture. In fact, it, it's the first book after the history uh, of the Gospels and Acts. And it acts <laughs> as this book that sets the foundation for what the church is proclaiming in history. He says, this is what I preach. This is my gospel. Everywhere I go, this is it. And so in some senses, in order to understand his gospel, guess what you have to understand? Genesis. And so think about Jesus as he's walking along on the road to Emmaus with those disciples. He's probably going back to this passage. And he is giving the oral exegesis of Genesis chapter 15. And Paul is now writing this exegesis of this. He said, here's what it means. Here's what salvation. This, this bud that we have talked about, I'm, I'm looking behind me because last week we talked about the promise that was given to Abram. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of detail in that promise, right? It's almost like the bud of an orchid. And, and then through scripture, that bud opens up and all of a sudden we get to the New Testament and, and we start to see the beauty of the promise that was made 4,000 years ago. And it kind of brings us to one of the points for today. That God is totally fine doing things in time. Now, you, Kona Bible Church, if you've been with me long enough, you know about the grass at my house, right? That, that I planted grass, we backfilled some area, built a wall, backfilled, and then we had the, we had the question, are we going to seed it or are we going to let this zoysia grass go over and connect? And we thought, well, we don't want two types of grass, so we're going to let it go, grow over. And every day, I would wake up, and I would go, and I'd be like, okay, how's it going? Is it going? We're, we're watering. We're fertilizing. This should be good, getting good. Now, we're doing the same thing right out here. In this area, right out there, you can follow. You can now experience what I experience, and you can do it on a weekly basis. I mean, if you want to, you could come on work day and do some work, and then you could do it twice a week. See these guilty little plugs that I put in here? You know. You know, and if you can't make it Wednesdays, guess what? We have the keys to the church. We can come any day that you're available. So, in fact, this coming Saturday, we're decorating the church for Christmas, uh, and we could use hands. Uh, start, you, you can work off some of your extra turkey pounds starting at 8 o'clock in the morning this Saturday. You can, and, and if you don't want to uh, put up Christmas decorations because you have an objection to Christmas, uh, and, you know, uh, how the church is adopting a pagan holiday. Fine. I've got other stuff for you to do. You don't have to participate in the Christmas part. we got windows to clean. We've got all kinds of things that you can do. Sound good? Eight, Saturday, 8 o'clock. We need help. We need to, you, there's nothing worse than seeing these Lutherans, average age, 70, late 70s, climbing up ladders to put those bells up there on the thing. It's a bad feeling. It's a bad feeling. <laughs> You don't want that happening, so we could use some young people to come. Yeah, all right? Okay, uh, so <laughs> I don't even remember where I, where I was. What was I talking Oh, the grass. You can watch this unfold uh, on a weekly or twice a week uh, level uh, as you come because that's the same type of grass. It grows over, but guess what? God's totally content in nature and in our lives not doing things immediately. Do you know that? I know we live in an instantaneous gratification, an instant gratification culture, where when we 
If we, can you imagine, like, have you been to a fast food restaurant lately here in Kona? It's painful because it's not fast food anymore. Yeah, it's like fast food, right? You go and you're like, wait, uh, I, thought, I thought we had a deal here that you were going to do this a lot faster than what's happening right now. Well, th- th- we, we get bothered even when we have to wait a couple of minutes for our food, let alone how long do we have to wait for this grass to grow in? Yeah, it's going to be a while, right? So, so, so what, but God, he doesn't care. And he actually uses the time to do some things for you. And we're going to look at that today. But it is not by accident that these things happen. It's not by accident that these Old Testament scriptures do these things that we looked at last week and and are reminded of again in this passage. Well, sure, this advances the temporal story to talk about Abram and, and to think about his life for a moment. Talk about God taking time. He promised Abram when he was 75 years old that he would have uh, descendants and he would give him land. And that was just this echo of a promise. There wasn't, there wasn't any detail. And so Abram goes out in great faith. Hebrews talks about it in chapter 11, that, that Abram demonstrated great faith just to leave his family. We talked about the security that he left and how he left in order just on the basis of this this really kind of ambiguous word, this bud form of an orchid. Well, now, all of a sudden, as we're going through this, it begins to advance the temporal story, but it also advances the promise. This bud, you start to see more of the details. It actually begins to open a little bit because we see some of the details. Some of the details for Abram are, uh, as he, he comes and he goes, well, what's going on here? Uh, you said it would be I, for my descendant. Is my descendant really supposed to be this, this guy, Eleazar, from my household? Because at the current rate right now, that's what's going to happen. He's going to inherit everything. And, and so he, he, he does some things. And so what, what does he do? Well, it, he represents this, that our, our circumstances, well, they, they make us pause, wonder, and question at times. And that's not by accident. This is all part of God's design. You see the circumstances that that Abram had? He gets this promise. He goes, and he's expecting descendants. So imagine every month of he and his wife find out that this is another month that they're not going to have a child. And yet you think about the circumstances, the questioning, the wondering that must be taking place as he walks through this process of going, Wait a minute, I heard a word from God. I believed it to be true. I've changed everything about my whole life to follow it. And now it seems like things are happening a little bit differently than I had anticipated. Not unlike those disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. And so this is all intended. It's not by accident for us to have that moment to pause, wonder, and question. And I think sometimes in churches, we are not given the liberty or the license to do that, right? We we sometimes think, well, if I'm questioning God, then I must not be a very good Christian, when the reality is this is all part of the wrestling match. This is why our name has been changed. The people of God, their name has been changed into, well, it was Israel, and now the new Israel is the church We're Christians, we're followers of Christ, and we are to wrestle with him about these things. 
And so pausing, wondering, and questioning is a good thing. It, it gives you an opportunity to do a couple things. One, and most importantly, Rebecca, she said it. She testified earlier. She said she's longing to give up control, okay? I didn't say that. She said it, okay? It makes us realize we're not in control. When we go through these circumstances that are difficult in life, that are not just instantaneously met, when we think that we, we have a sense of God's commission on our life, and, and yet we aren't quite living it out right away, we have this moment where we just pause and we wonder and we question. We go, well, wait a minute. Did I hear you correctly? Is this how you have gifted me? Am I supposed to be taking steps in this direction? Well, this is good. This isn't catching God by surprise. This is actually part of the plan. It's not by accident so that you go back to him and ask for a, a redefinition. And they say, God, is this really true? And, and what it's demonstrating is exactly what Luke's praying for for Moon, of, of this idea of going, well, wait a minute, you, you just have to really kind of give up control and tap out. You know, uh, as Masha's working in the psychiatric ward, and this Moon guy's having, it sounds like, mental problems, we should not forget the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was given over to insanity for a season until he did what? Tapped out. And I wonder how many of our people, our patients in life, who are dealing with mental illness have been given over to that for a season until they say, not my will, but your will be done in my life. Now, it doesn't mean that every situation can be answered by Jesus, although it can. What I mean by that is it doesn't mean that drugs can't be a part of the equation. It doesn't mean counseling can't be... But somewhere in that, we shouldn't forget the spiritual side of things, that people can be given over to things for a season. And that season was not instantly met. It took Nebuchadnezzar seven years for him to finally tap out. And so I wonder, as we go through the circumstances of our lives, how many months or years are ticking by where we are continuing to pause, wonder, and question? And is that pause, wonder, and questioning starting to point the finger at God and blaming him? Because that's pretty uh, symptomatic within the life of people in the universe. That instead of embracing the wrestling match and allowing him to, to do what he does over the course of time, no, we, we say, no, I want it now, and it's, since it hasn't happened now, you're the, you're the problem. No, and I wonder if that season gets extended for us because we haven't come to the conclusion of going, you know what? Uh, like they said in the, I hate giving this movie props. It's about Notre Dame, that movie Rudy. I hate Notre Dame, but that there's such a great scene when they go into the, the cathedral Rudy's at the end of his rope. He's like, it's exactly what we're preaching about, right? His circumstances have gotten out of control, right? And he goes up to the, the priest and, and he says, priest, i got to have some help. And the priest comes back to him and he says, there's two things that I know in life. There is a God and I'm not him. Right? I mean, it's a powerful statement that we need to be able to make. That there is a God and we are not him. And somehow giving up that control to allow God, if he wants to, to take his time in our lives. 
I mean, just think through some of the people and the characters in Scripture. There aren't too many teenagers that are doing amazing things, right? Moses was 80 when he was called to lead God's people out of Egypt. You have many people who, who go through a season of, this, of these circumstances where they're just they're, they're questioning. Where are you at in your circumstances? Are you dealing with a transition of a job? Are you dealing with the loss of a loved one? Are you dealing with some type of illness or sickness? Are, are you dealing with just something silly that, you know, is much more surfacey than some of these things? Because God cares about that too. It's, it's not by accident your circumstances. And when you see these circumstances, are you ready to get to the point where you go, you know what? I'm going to participate. I am not going to control because that's what Acts invited us to do, right? This beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit given to us so that we can participate with God and his plan. When I say tap out, I do not mean go to the sidelines and take a seat on the bench. That is not what I mean by tap out. What I mean is you stop telling God what your life looks like. And you come back and you say, I will participate with you in you telling me what my life looks like. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. That's what he's inviting you to do. And so when we look at these circumstances, they're not by accident. No, they're designed for this invitation. That's what the gospel is. It's an invitation to experience life. And so when you get to this, these circumstances, how they're bogging you down, you're not experiencing life, right? A lot of times those circumstances just kind of, oh, I don't like this, oh, I don't want this to happen at all. No, it's an invitation to, to look, to look outside of yourself and go, I really need to experience life. So how, how, about, I, how about I trust you, that you know what is best for me, the one who has created me, the one who has commissioned me, the one who has gifted me, empowered me, I'm going to trust you to go into the chaos while I go into the chaos to bring order and purpose to it and do so in a faith community. This is what he's inviting you to do. It's a beautiful invitation. And the question remains for all of us because circumstances change, right? It's not a one-time thing with circumstances. Isn't that a, the booger of life? That circumstances change, right? And so at one point, you could have been like, man, I had some circumstances, and I trusted God, and worried everything, that was great. But then circumstances change, and it, it's this ongoing invitation for you to continue to surrender your life to Jesus. And that's why it's a wrestling match. It's a lifelong journey of coming and saying, will you trust his word? We're not just talking about his, the, the, the words of Scripture, though we are talking about that. We're also talking to the words that he is speaking to you through his spirit about you. He knows you intimately. He knows everything about you. And these circumstances that you are facing right now are not by accident. They are designed to get you to come to the end of yourself. They are designed to uh, have you hear an invitation from a personal, loving God that he is in control and wants to bring you life. 
Man, that's good news, right? Boy, if only our churches could preach this good news, maybe people would go, I need some of that good news. Lord, have mercy. Help our pastors. Help the people who know what we are doing, this gospel, to preach it. Because we need to hear good news these days. It's not by accident that any of these things happen because it also uh, creates a situation where we understand more of his revelation. Now, we can talk about big picture revelation, right? In this story, did you hear what happened in this story? This is crazy, okay? He, he's promised kind of this ambiguous promise of land and, and descendants, right? And that he will be a blessing to all the families of the earth, and he goes in faith. In great faith, he goes. Uh, then God begin, he comes back and he goes, well, after however many months or years, he comes back and says, well, God, I'm a little curious. Uh, you know, clock's ticking. I'm not getting any younger here. Uh, and, and God comes back and he goes, well, no, let me, let me kind of give you a little more understanding of this promise. One, it is this descendant is going to come from you. Okay. That, that he comes back and says, I believe you. I cannot understate the, the importance of that statement in Scripture. It's what Paul is exegeting in Romans. He comes back and he says, the fact that Abram believes, you read this in, in Romans chapter 4, you see it in Hebrews chapter 11, that, that Abram had a belief in a God who was able to raise the dead back to life because he's looking at his own situation and going, I'm an old man, and as hot as my wife is, she's an old lady, and we are past the point of childbirth, and yet you've told me, I believe it. And God comes down and says to him, on the basis of your belief that I am able to raise you back to life in order to bring life, you are now innocent in my eyes. Oh, that is heavy duty because Abraham is not an Israelite. Okay, he is not part of this family. That, that family doesn't even exist yet. They aren't even the Israelites. They are in his loins, so to speak. And Paul is coming back and he's going, this is good news for the entire world, for everybody that is possibly born, because it is not about being Jewish. It is not about being an Israelite that you are declared innocent. No, how are you declared innocent before God? On the basis of belief that he's able to raise you back to life, to bring life. And so now we have, the, I mean, I can, again, think about the two sides of this coin. Okay, there are so many people who, if you know yourself, you really would be like, man, all I, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm guilty, okay? Let's just face it. I'm a, I'm a guilty person, uh, right? I, I, I know myself well enough to know that if I can be declared innocent, declared righteous by God simply because I believe his son and, and the, the ability that he's able to bring me back to life, <laughs> that's good news. Amen. I will believe that because I am guilty as uh, sin. And then there's another group of people who are over there that also should be saying amen, and that is the people who have been trying and trying their whole life to justify themselves before God. And I think of well, I think of my wife a little bit. She's a rule abider. 
I mean, I love these rule abiders. I'm not a rule abider. I'm guilty as sin. I see a stop sign, I'm blowing through it if I can, okay? Not all the time, but I'm rolling. I'm doing the California roll, right? I see a speed limit. How much faster can I go than that speed limit? I'd like to know. Uh, this is just who I am. I, I'm corrupt. I'm terrible. I'm guilty. You can declare me innocent. I can, be, I can be regenerated so that when I see a stop sign, I no longer have those desires. Oh, I'll take that. Amen. I receive that. But then there's those rule abiders who look at it and go, I'm going to obey every single rule out there. It's going to be awesome. And when I do it, who couldn't be pleased with me? Huh? Certainly God would be pleased with me if I obeyed every single rule. And then you start looking at the amount of rules and you go, I mean, at a point, there comes that breaking point when you just go, I just, that one, that one I just can't do. But I'm not going to think about it because all these other rules I'm pretty good at. Folks, this is, the, this is the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's who they were in their, in their nature of people justifying themselves before God. But the beauty here is that if you're really honest with yourself, even the rule abiders come and just go, it's exhausting obeying all these rules. And to hear the message of the gospel come and say, it's not by you obeying the rules that you are declared innocent. Now, I have to say, that must be earth-shattering for the rule abiders, right? Like, in some senses, they must be like, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> I don't know if I'm even comfortable with that gospel. <laughs> I like rules. I like knowing what I have to do. And here, God is coming and saying, no, 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 no. It's simply if you believe that I'm able to raise you, your deadness, back to life, that I will declare you innocent and righteous. Man, that's got to just be. Can you imagine? This is why Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because he's coming to you and he's saying, just let it go. Let all the striving go. And just trust me to raise you back to life. This is what Romans says. It's what Hebrews says about Abraham or Abram at this point. And he simply believes that God's able to do what he promised. What about you? Are you do you believe that he's able to do what he's promised? You know, as you think through your circumstances, they're not by accident. And, and they do get you to this point where you see, you reveal more of how God works. And, and it goes on in this passage to, to really reveal something crazy that you might have to wrestle with. Future circumstances. Because what is God saying here? He says, oh, by the way, your descendants are going to go down into another country and they're going to be slaves for 400 years. Now, how's that? That God knows the details so much that even the future circumstances that you are going to look at and you are going to be tempted in your, in your core being to blame him for, that even those circumstances are not by accident. No, they're there to make you pause, to make you wonder, to make you question, to do all that wrestling with God, to realize that you're not in control, to invite him, to, to invite all of us to trust him. Imagine the trust it must take 
for a people group knowingly to, to engage in being slaves. Think about the trust that that would take and to, to the, the lack of blaming that you, I mean, to just go, man, ain't nothing like slavery to know you are not in control. And to be, to trust him, to go, I know you know my circumstances, and yet I will still walk through this. Now, I can't say that the testimony of Israel fully embraced that. In fact, it seems to be contrary that they were more pointing the finger at God than walking through it. But there Jesus would probably come along those guys on the road to Emmaus and say, don't you know my word? Your circumstances have not caught me by surprise. I anticipated and foretold them. And they are not there by accident. They are purposely designed in order to invite you into a greater trust in relationship with me. He's done this in scripture. It's not by accident that these stories are there. They're there to, to push forward the story, to push forward the promise. They're there for all these other purposes to, to, to reveal who Christ is and to give us a hope. But they're also there for you and I because we have our own circumstances that we are dealing with. And as you consider those circumstances, will you follow the same steps that Abraham followed? I mean, after all, that's why they sing the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Why? Not because they came from his lineage of blood, but because they came from the lineage of faith. And we can be sons and daughters of the king when we recognize these things about our circumstances, that they're not by accident. Father, this is my prayer for myself. It's my prayer for this church that we begin to to reorient ourselves like Jesus was reorienting his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Instead of being hopeless, instead of being overwhelmed by the circumstances, to accept the invitation to know you better. Father, will you be so good that as we accept that invitation that you will be faithful to bring us life as you have done for thousands of years for your people. I ask these things in your son's name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.